Have you seen We Bought a Zoo? I've not. Uh, that's. Oh my god. What? I'm, I'm looking at the haircut right now. What's wrong with the hair? I'm trying to figure out if it's a wig or not. I think it's his real hair. It probably is. Let me look up Matt Damon. I guess Matt Damon hairstyle because, you know, I feel like you'll get those. I think it's his real hair, but he's never. I just I can't tell if the, I think it's his real hair. He just has never grown it. I wonder what is he? Ha why does he always have this short hair? And it kind of bothers me. Interesting. Um, at the premiere of We Bought a Zoo, he's bald. So I think he's probably filming Elysium. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So it's him and uh, Scarlett Johansson, but he's shaved head. I've, oh, Scarlett Johansson in that movie? Yeah. Huh. We Bought a Zoo. We bought it. I. Oh, wow. It, it, yeah. His hair is buzzed in yeah. that. Let me let me see. We bought a zoo. Can you imagine going from <laughs> we bought a zoo straight into Elysium <laughs> like this super like dark? Yeah. Uh, you, ever, you ever seen Elysium? Yeah. Is it Elysium or Elysium? Why what do you, is it strong ass? I think it's Elysium. What do you think of it? It's fine. I enjoy it. Like, yeah, I like um, I thought District 9 was better just like from Neil Blomkamp, but I, I liked uh, Elysium. No, I think District 9 is, I mean... It's like a perfect... I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies ever. Yeah. That's maybe a hot take. No, it's but... really good. And, and I like having... Um, well, because I forget the guy's name, but they, he's brought he's in Elysium 2 as a Kruger. Elysium 2? No, he's in Elysium as well. <laughs> I, like, I thought you were saying... There's, I was like, there's another... Yeah, it's right. Charlton Copley. Yeah, Charlton... Yeah, um... He's he's so great in District Nine. Yeah, he's dude. Elysium, he's just he's, he's great in that too. And he's insane. Talk about like a flipping the switch. It's just funny because I saw that movie. Um, I think I saw it right when it came out, so I would have been like twelve or thirteen. But I saw it in theaters with my dad, and he's like, "Oh, how violent!" Because my dad loves District Nine. Like he and he saw it was the same director, and so we went and saw yeah. it. And the scene that stuck with me was when they like grow back Charlton Copley's yeah, face. That was crazy. brutal. Well, because I thought he was supposed to be a main villain in the movie, and all of a sudden his face just gets blown off by a grenade. Yeah. I was like, oh. And uh, yeah, they like grow back. It was pretty cool um, special effect. I don't know how they did that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> they actually, they actually <laughs> graded down his face and just played it in reverse. Did you read that in the trivia? No, I didn't. I'm reading about uh, We Bought. Yeah, he's actually dead. <laughs> they that was uh they like got a cheese grater and just grated down his face uh, and uh -huh. they played it back in reverse in like four times speed, four x speed. Uh, Matt Damon was on the set of True Grit when he was approached to star in We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Avatar, but I. That probably came out after. Yeah, but I just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining he's like, you know, really in character. He's playing, he's like a Texas Ranger, isn't he? Yeah, he's like playing the Texas Ranger. Yep. Like, hey Matt, um, you got a second to talk? <laughs> so, 
we got a pretty big script coming in. Scott Johansson is tied to it. I'm she's in. And then they just go through the plot of We Bought a Zoo. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know what? I he's looking at his filmography. He he's he just did (laughs) action. He just did Happy Feet too. Forgot about that. No, he went okay. So here he did. He did Green Zone, Hereafter, which is another action movie, True Grit action, Adjustment Bureau action, Contagion, very intense. I mean, and then Happy Feet too. You would call. You I would call, call True Grit. It's not an action. Movie. Okay, not now, but it's like an intense western. It's not a film western. But and then Happy Feet Two and We Bought a Zoo come out back to back. So maybe and and then uh, well, you know who directed uh, Happy Feet? Yeah, the, the dude that did Mad Max. Yeah, George Miller. It, yeah, George it Miller. Crazy. It's just so funny crazy. how you direct Happy Feet, which. I never got the hype for Happy Feet. I don't yeah, know. I never. I didn't like. It's fine. Yeah. I feel like the animation was very uncanny valley. Did you feel that way? Not really. Just because. I mean, like they're they're penguins. But something about the animation and the, I don't know the way they moved. I felt that more with the like newer Lion King. I I felt it more with that because it was. Pretty photorealistic. I didn't see the new Lion King, honestly. I've just seen like clips. I don't think I've seen one clip of it actually. And I'm not, I don't go out of my way to talk down on it or anything. It just did not intrigue me whatsoever. It's just the exact same story. And yeah, (laughs) there's nothing really that new or interesting about it. Not as, I mean, compare the CGI from Lion King to We Bought a Zoo. What was better? Um, I, I couldn't tell you because I, <laughs> you know, yeah. every animal and we bought a zoo with CGI. It was well, I think Matt top Damon's of the hair, line. Matt Damon's hair is also probably CGI <laughs> too, which is pretty impressive. Uh, that they got the physics. Can you imagine <laughs> if, if that came out that we did digital was like we spent $300 million CGIing Matt's hair because he they tried the wig, it wasn't working. Like, hey. This would be amazing I, if we pulled it off. I've always kind of thought, and I don't know why this just uh, reminded me, um, like the very end of The Martian, when he's back on Earth, spoiler, um, <laughs> and he's, like, he's got, like, um, it's, like, the very end, we only see him for, like, a minute, he has a cup of coffee, he's going to teach at, like, a lecture, or he's going to talk at a lecture hall or something. I always thought he was wearing a wig. In the end, uh, it <laughs> let me see. Is it maybe he's secretly bald, Matt Damon? Okay, I found. I found. Can it. you like send it to me, maybe, yeah. or maybe I can look at. I Matt mean, Damon. it's probably not a. It's probably not a wig. I can post it in the in the. Well, what was his hair? Is it long? No, it's just different. I'm posting it. It is. Yeah, it kind of is. No, I think that's his hair. It's, it's yeah, it's real. It just looks so different. I think it's this real hair. I feel like we've talked about Damon's hair for so long. It's long because he he keeps it. That's a pet peeve of mine, honestly, is when actors have the exact same hairstyle all the time. There's only a few that I'm like, um, dude, I can't think of his name. He's in, uh, he's the old dude that has a Western accent all the time. 
Jeff Bridges. Is it Jeff Bridges? Yeah, it is Jeff Bridges. I'm done. Jeff Bridges always got a flow, and it looks good. Yeah, you know, the, he he's got short flow. He's sometimes got a long flow. Um, yeah, I think that's his real hair, though. <laughs> okay, I like, I he talk- pulled off. He Jeff Bridges pulled off uh, bald with a beard in First Iron Man. Oh that yeah, I always forget. That is that, I wonder if he was really bald or if they did a bald. He's probably really bald. It looks. I mean, because you can real. tell some bald caps are pretty bad. Yeah, like the Brian Cranston. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that was not I cool. feel like that was just also low budget. They rushed on it. But... Well, it was. I think we're now we're really getting little down little... a rabbit hole of well, bald caps in here now. A more, um, they need to keep a secret. They couldn't have him actually. He was also doing. They only got they got him for like three days, secretly. And he's also doing a Broadway show. Or a you mean three days secretly? Yeah, they got Iron him on Man? the set. Oh wait, what were we talking? Third time of Brian Cranston. <laughs> that makes that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, now. <laughs> the, yeah, and the, with him, they couldn't have him shave his head because they didn't want people to know he was going to be in the movie, and he's doing. A play. I think he was playing like uh, LBJ, uh, President Johnson, and so he couldn't shave his head. I don't know why. When you said LBJ so, for a second, I was just thinking he was. You, I thought you said he played MLK. Nope. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's very um. Damn. Yeah, that was a that was a, a not good bald cap. I think he's really bald in Iron Man. I'd imagine. Yeah, I think I think it. I think he is. But he did do. He wasn't doing a play. It was Brian Cranston. Yes. Okay. I'm. I'm well, kind of losing. Well, with that, um, let's jump into it. Thanks for yeah. tuning in, guys. Um, this is the High Low Podcast. So, what we have been planning to do and what we're doing is we're taking an actor. As you can see, we've been talking a lot about Matt Damon's hair, but the real point of this podcast is to talk about Matt Damon's filmography and his best movies, worst movies, just more about him. Um, we even watched one of his worst movies, and we talk about that as well, as well as talking about some of his best movies. Um, so, you know, thanks for listening in, and we're just gonna jump right into it. So, Matt Porter, you gonna you gonna give us a little info on Matt? Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, click from the top info on uh, Mr. Matthew Page Damon. Matthew Page, uh, 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 born in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, of course, in uh, 1970. Um, uh, became a close uh, friend of uh, fellow Bostonite Ben Affleck. Uh, <laughs> did they, start... I, sorry, I didn't want to. Did yeah. they? Do you, are you going to talk about how they met? Because I don't know how they met. Actually, I don't know how they. All I'm seeing here is. Uh, I'll tell you how they. You they keep just going. became friends when they were uh, growing up. How about, I'll pull up how they met. You keep going. Yeah, that, there's probably a good story there. Um, yeah, and they kind of started to get interested in uh, in movies and filmmaking and. Um, the two of them had some pretty small roles during the uh, kind of like mid 1990s or so. Uh, they even had uncredited appearances in Field of Dreams, the two of them. Uh, so they were just kind of like small time getting started, wanting to get that big break. And then, um, what was it? He had uh, his first kind of starring, would you say it was, it was a starring role? In, um, in um the uh, school ties with yeah school ties with with Brendan Fraser, um that's probably I think that was the first movie he was kind of top build in 
mm-hmm. uh, and then he and uh, he and Affleck decided to hit the books, and and they uh, churned out the script for Goodwill Hunting, and they kind of shopped it around, and and they were really trying to find um, you know anybody who would who would support it, people who would buy it. Uh, the movie got picked up. The two of them were cast in the movie, and they got Brian or not Brian, um, freaking Robin Williams, uh, rest in peace. As well, and, and from there, um, Damon's career really took off, um, not just as an actor but as a writer as well. Uh, and then, about a, a year or two after Goodwill Goodwill Hunting, he was in uh, a little movie called Saving Private Ryan, where he plays Ryan. Private Ryan. He plays Ryan, and uh, from there, he uh, uh, just really started to make it big time. Uh, he got into the Bourne movies. Um, Kind of became a, an action star in a lot of senses, but but he really kind of had a bunch of different types of projects, and that's really kind of one of the things that you see throughout his career is that he he doesn't usually stick to one type of genre um, in particular. I think he has a lot of different interesting projects uh, under his belt. Yeah, I think he because. I want. I wanted to say almost like, oh, he's kind of typecasted. But you know, when you really look at all his movies, he's not. He really has a broad. Like he plays villains. He plays good guys. He plays really just a huge variety. He does animation. It's not really just one thing. Uh, but yeah, like you said, his first star film was School Ties. That was with Brendan Fraser. Um, I've actually heard pretty good things about that movie. And it came out. It was. Like Brendan Fraser plays, uh, he's Jewish. He's going to evangelical school, and you know Matt Damon's the bully, and you know, Pick is very anti-Semitic. It appears, but I'm sure they all, you know, hug it out at the end. I didn't watch the movie, but I'm gonna guess that's. Or they kill him. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's that's pretty dark. Um... (laughs) And then his most recent film was The Last Duel, which was directed by Ridley Scott, um, which flopped as we know, because phone bad and kids look is not want to go see it. According to Ridley Scott. It's a great movie. Uh, well, th- and then getting back into the, uh, the writing bit, I believe, well, this is starring him and, um, Adam driver primarily, but Ben Affleck is also in the movie in a, a sizable supporting role. Um, but what is really cool is that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, help write the screenplay for the last duel. So they're kind of getting back into that as they they teamed up again, uh, not just on screen but uh, in the writers' room as well. So really, I didn't know Affleck. Uh, I knew Damon was on there, but I guess that makes sense because Ben Affleck's character, his silly little character in the last yeah, duel. Love, love. I I, I think I, they're both great in it. No, I I enjoyed the film a lot. I mean, it got a lot of not hate. I just feel like it flopped because people didn't go see it. Did it come out at a bad time? It, it it was like kind of, let's see, kind of a COVID time. But I think a lot of it, the marketing just made it seem like it was a very, very bleak, depressing movie. And I don't exactly know, you know, maybe what was going on at the time, but it, it just kind of felt like uh, this just seems like a drag. And it's actually a really funny movie. It's actually had some some really, really good... Uh, humor in it. It, it it does have plenty of dark stuff as well but it has some uh excellent uh uh i mean it's called the last duel there there are some really really excellent um 
uh, fighting sequences and not just yeah. the du- the the duel, which is excellent. Uh, but there are several large scale kind of battle sequences uh, that we see that are are put together excellently by Ridley Scott. Well, it's just an interesting movie because yeah. going in, I did not know. All I knew is that Ben Affleck plays a silly character because yeah. that's what Porter told me. Yeah, but the way it's told, where you see three basically the same movie three different things all told from a different perspective. Yeah. Like in three intervals is I just an interesting. So I definitely is on HBO still. Don't know that. Uh, definitely highly recommend. It's really I would. Good. Yes. Very, very much recommend it. It was yeah. not, I would not watch it with your children or your family. It's pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. It's intense. It's, yeah. Just the context, you know, the plot follows this woman, you know, accusing another man of raping her and, it's just a very, it's a very heavy subject, heavy movie. So um, I definitely recommend it, though. But yeah, yeah. You got any fun? I was looking at you know some Matt Damon trivia. I know we kind of were talking. <laughs> you we, you you heard some trivia earlier about how Matt Damon was approached with We Bought a Zoo when he was on the set of True Grit. But <laughs> was there any other trivia? Yeah, or well, stuff that's there's a, a number, uh, a number of things he turned down, which I think is pretty interesting. Oh yeah, you definitely hit those. Yeah, so he, he turned down uh, the role of Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, which um, then actually went to, oh my gosh, what is his name? I um, can't. <laughs> sounds, uh, I got I got it. Keep going, keep going. Pull it, yeah, pull it up. Um, yeah, he turned down that role. He turned down the role of Jake Sully in Avatar. Uh, and not just did he turn down the uh, the lead role, he also turned down the offer of... 10% of the movie's gross. 10% of what the movie is going to make. He turned down. Uh, also, um, it, was, it was Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart, yes. He, yes. He's uh, great. Love that guy. Oh, yeah, great actor. Great, great actor. Um, yeah, he turned it down. And um, to this day, I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, I'll look up Avatar Box Office. Oh, uh, we, I, we, I wonder, if, would that have included like when it returned to theaters? And that's what I'm that? wondering. Um, but it seems like he might have, as of now, I'm seeing $2.9 billion. Easy and, and so I think Damon will have gotten about $290 million. Gosh. Um, um, thought this was interesting. He starred in 10 movies where the title contains part of the character's name. Uh, that was just a weird, which is Goodwill Hunting, Saving Private Ryan, Talented Mr. Ripley. I've never heard of Jerry, uh, Spirit, Born Identity, all the Born movies. Spirit. And uh, the Brothers Grit. That was just, that's a interesting. Apparently, he quit smoking after visiting a hypnotist in LA. Okay. That's. <laughs> was considered for the role of Daredevil in 2003. Oh, but the role went to his best bud, Ben Affleck. Yeah, he's probably glad he uh, dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Apparently he was, it said, <laughs> I like this bit, since after a notable weight gain for Stuck on You, which I'll touch on, um, he lost 22 pounds for the Born Supremacy, eventually having six-pack abs. Quote, shredded. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Matt Damon in the shower the other day, and he was shredded. Yeah, but he uh, I just like that. After being a little tubby for Stuck on You, he he finally got in shape. I think that was like the first movie where he got pretty cut. Yeah, he, you know, he's kind of fit, before, but 
he's like really cut. Well, I guess but, for a bit on um, him and Affleck, uh, they grew up two blocks yeah. away in Cambridge, Massachusetts when they were kids. And then so, uh, uh, I guess my last uh, fun fact is that uh, in 2007, he was named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. Yeah, you know, I, so I think that was something we talked about before. Do you think objectively he's handsome? I think he's a handsome guy. Yeah, sure. But he's like, not hot. I mean, like, there's hot. He's like a handsome, good-looking guy. Yeah, he's like, like he's not, he's not ugly. Like, there's handsome, and then there's Brad Pitt. He's just like, he's just like a normal, kind of looking guy. Yeah, there's like I said, there's there's like Brad Pitt, Troy. There's Vigo Mortensen, rustic handsomeness, and then you have Matt Damon, who's just. I don't know if I'd ever call him the sexiest man alive. And I don't mean that as a diss to Damon. I think he's a very good looking guy. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting who they pick for those is all. But uh And apparently him and Ben Affleck shared a bank account. Yeah, the so when they were struggling they were actors. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would share <laughs> uh, Michael, I love you, but I don't know if I'd share a bank account with you if we were both I mean, maybe struggling. if times were maybe if times were tough, but but that was also Quite Maybe they had like time. one joint one that was like, uh, you know, for funds, not funsies, but like this is like discretionary money. We're just going to share an account. I feel like that would make more sense. I think I think one I guess one other bit uh, that, that just came to mind is uh, the trend in uh, movies where Matt Damon needs to be rescued. <laughs> yeah. um, I got three off the top of my head. So we've got Interstellar, we've got The Martian, and we've got Saving Private Ryan. Am I missing anything else? Um, um Spirit, he's the horse, and he kind of needs to be rescued. Does that count? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't know. I would say that counts, but he kind of breaks himself out. I feel like, but he breaks himself out in The Martian, too. So Yeah, but he's, he's not getting back to Earth on his own. The Departed, he needs to be <laughs> saved from, I don't know. From, we'll talk, uh, we'll yeah. talk about the. I'm, I'm looking through the rest of his filmography and in downsizing, he needs to be saved from a terrible movie. Mm. <laughs> okay. But, you know, you got any other fun stuff on that? Should we move into the high low? I say let's, uh, let's go to the high low. All right. So, what we've decided to do is we take, we look at, we've been using IMDb. If you're not familiar, it's Internet Movie Database. And essentially, we just look. You can is that filter what that stands it. For? Say again. Is, it, is that what that stands for? Yeah, Internet Movie Database. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like I knew. I think I knew that because I used the website right when it came out. And I'm pretty sure it was just Internet Movie Database. And then they shortened it um, back in the good old wow. days. I, might, I could be wrong. That ages you a little bit. It. I just remember, I could be wrong. Maybe it's always been. I just remember seeing on the website, Internet Movie Database. Um, but using that rating system, we essentially picked a cut, the t- bottom three, top three worst, highest rated movies. Um, across the board, Damon's looking pretty good. Um, his bad movies, honestly, are not terrible, but they're definitely not good. Um, his t- bottom two, uh, help me with the third one. Oh, I, I know. So we have Stuck on You. This is a 2003 wacky comedy. And the plot of the comedy is conjoined twins from Martha's Vineyard move to Los Angeles so that one of them can pursue an acting career. 
And Matt Damon is one of the conjoined twin, twins. And the other twin is Greg Kenyar, which right. I don't know. You, you you would see a picture of this guy and you're like, oh, yes, I know who he is. He's in a bunch of comedies. Um, he's in Mystery Men. He plays Captain Amazing. <laughs> if you are familiar with that movie, I know a lot of my family is. He's in Little Miss Sunshine. He plays the dad. Um, but yeah, they play conjoined twins in that movie. It's got a 5.8 out of 10, but a lot of these reviews say, I like this movie as a kid. It's kind of, it's like wacky. Don't take it too seriously, but it just cracks me up because when you look at every photo on there, they're just standing next to each other. And I just am imagining if they didn't like each other, what it would be like standing next to each other. The Probably entire movie. miserable shit, like side by side. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, you know, the trailer, they're like playing football. They're running by each other. There's a wacky scene where the door closes between them. I don't know how that makes sense, though, because if they're conjoined by skin, anyways. But, yeah, Stuck on You, that was not the movie we watched. With the with the Hilo, with the bottom three movies, we watched one of them. And maybe by chance we've already seen them. But we, with how busy we are with being, having full-time jobs, uh, we decided to just pick one movie. Um, his other one is Downsizing. I have not seen this movie I've heard horrible things about this movie. Um, I know my, I've only heard from my brother that it was the worst movie that he's ever seen in his life. And he stands by it. He watches a lot of movies too. Um, I know you've heard about it. Michael. I remember seeing the trailer for him thinking like, that's kind of a, a yeah. fun premise. Could, could, be I, a, could be a good little movie. I think that was the case is like, Oh, it's a fun premise. And then the whole second half of the movie is just awful. And it, there's this weird subplot where he falls in love with this Vietnamese woman and she can't even speak English. Like I, I'm not saying it's just this weird, like it, the movie completely goes a different way instead of being wacky satire comedy to like trying to be a serious movie. That's the vibe I got. I saw like 10 minutes of it on TV and um, cause my brother was trying to show me how bad the movie was, <laughs> but um, yeah, we got that. And then finally the third movie we picked was none other than <clears throat> the great wall. Honestly, what'd you, what you think of it, Michael? Cause we haven't talked, um, we haven't talked to each other. We both yeah, watched we, the movie, we, but we had not talked yes. what we thought about I it. I watched it today. You watched it uh, earlier in the week. I watched it early in the week. You saw my letterbox review. Yeah. Where I just said Matt Damon. That was all I said. Yeah. I, um, I know we, we both I know we both have the same uh number score, but that's where our thoughts actually are. Um it was fine. It, yeah. it felt like like it's a movie. The movie um, the movie it wasn't really anything that impressive. Uh it was just just kind of a dumb action adventure movie. That really you forget about after an hour. Yeah, it was not. It was fine. I, it just cracks me up because well, it's so in the movie. If you know, maybe we need to give the plot. I guess, yeah, I remember from the top. Yeah, yeah so going from the top. Cast, I remember cast. Yeah, the cast. Yeah, Matt so, Damon. Yeah, so plays the main mercenary. Yeah. So in the movie, it's about a group of European mercenaries. They're looking for gunpowder um, because white man come to steal from china <laughs> they're looking for the gunpowder <laughs> and they encounter a secret army a secret army 
that lives on the Great Wall. I don't know how secret. And it's not like it wasn't hidden. They were just riding across this desert. And then they encounter the Great Wall. And so once they get there, you find out that the Great Wall was built for a reason. And it's keeping out these ancient creatures. And so Matt Damon and his a friend, his pal, who's played by Pedro Pasco, which you might know him as um, the Mandalorian. He's also, um, <clears throat> I think he's in Narcos, right? He's in Narcos. Uh, he's uh, uh, Prince Oberyn Martell in yes. season four. That was and uh, he's going to be playing uh, Joel Miller in HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us. Yeah. Which so, is premiering now. But this was one of his, er- I think this was right around Game of Thrones. So he was definitely not, you know, a household name. I don't know if you'd say Pedro is he, a household his name. Guy, you, you'd recognize him and be like, oh, yeah, I like him. Yeah. You recognize, I think he's a great actor. He definitely plays, it feels like he's playing Oberyn Martell in this movie in a way. Just like his accent, his like, honestly, like, if you want to look at the acting and across, you know, the board. Oh, wait, we got, we forgot something. Willem Dafoe is in this movie and he plays the weirdest role. It's not, so I remember, I don't know if you remember, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie a bunch and i was like oh like this is a big movie it's got matt damon in it you know like matt damon's a big actor and i remember oh willem dafoe's in it like this could be a really big movie maybe it might be good and it came out and i never saw the reviews were terrible but um do you remember like seeing the commercials for it and it coming out and everything because i i remember it a lot like very a little bit i i wasn't super interested in it Uh, it didn't look that great i like i just matt damon compels me so I didn't, you know, I thought it was interesting that way. But the movie was, and I know Porter's going to touch on this, it is a Chinese film. So it was made, directed by a Chinese um, director, has a lot of Chinese cast members. There was an insane, I mean, read the facts, but I know there was like, I think it was the most translators on a movie ever or something like that. Um, like I even noticed in the credits watch the movie, there was like Matt... <laughs> Uh, translator to Mr. Damon, translator to Mr. Defoe. Yeah. And they had, yeah, I'm seeing uh, there were more than 100 on set translators working with the various cast and crew members. How many was that? Over 100. Oh my gosh. It's a big time. It's also the most, it's the most expensive film ever shot entirely in China. Yeah, it was actually, you know. I mean, do we want to call this movie Chinese propaganda? I don't. I mean, it's a not, little it's, bit I, like Great Wall. So it's, much. It's not. It's not the most egregious example of that I've, I've ever. seen. No, I. I was really going in there expecting it to be like completely China. China Great Wall is the best thing ever, but honestly, the Great Wall kind of sucks in the movie. They just the monsters in it like find a way around the Great Wall every single time. So I don't the movie in the movie's but called hey, the Great hey, Wall. They, they said for for twenty centuries they've they've kept the uh, the monsters out. So maybe maybe uh, it, it it was a pretty good. Yeah. So inside. going into spoil more spoilers. Um, if you are listening to this and you know you're gonna go out and watch this film or you it's been on your letterbox watch list for years and you never got around to it. Maybe don't listen to this because I'm gonna talk a little bit more about some just main plot things. Yeah. One thing that I at first had to point out, a classic trope that was in the movie, um, 
and it's one of my favorite, not one of my favorite tropes, but it's a trope I really enjoy is the classic main character got wounded and he's being tended to. And then the side character notices how many scars he has slash how ripped he Love is. That. Great yeah. trope. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of another That's example um, of that happening, but honestly, I know it happens so much, but is there a movie you can think of where <sighs> I'm thinking it's where it's like, you see, like he's oh ripped. Gosh, I can, like, he's got a bunch of scars. It. I can like picture it. It's, no, it's just one of those things. Like I can't think of like a specific. Send us your favorite movie. Okay, with... the the example that comes to my mind immediately, and there's a spoiler for Game of Thrones, as in like season seven of Game of Thrones. Um, uh, Daenerys sees Jon Snow's uh, chest, and she sees yeah. he has these stab wounds like in his chest like over his heart and so it's not just a like oh he's ripped that's a very important moment because she that's a plot point there's a plot point there yeah yeah but side note just i enjoy that trope a lot also was it just me or did was willem dafoe's character completely not what you expected it was completely different it was really weird because at the beginning he was this cowering you know kind of afraid guy and then he becomes this like we gotta get out of here with the black powder <laughs> and like very kind of duplicitous and very um just like it, it was just kind of a, a turn i thought i thought he yeah i was expecting him to be i don't know from the trailers and stuff i knew about the movies i was expecting him to be a you know advisor to the china army and like a translator for them that was my because he looks very you know yeah. stout but yeah, he's just like a coward, and he's like, I came here looking for black powder too, which he was there for twenty five years. They've been looking for black powder for that long, and they've had no luck. It was kind of surprising, um, but yeah, it was just not what I expected. And okay, this is a question I have for you, Michael. So yeah, in the movie. Defoe and Pedro Pascal and Damon are like, hey, we need to escape with the black powder and get out of here because basically the Chinese army is like, you cannot leave without with the black powder. Like you must stay within the walls forever. And that's why Willem Defoe's character has been there for 25 years. But then stuff happens. Damon is becoming a hero of the people, you know, because he's so good at archery. But Pedro Pascal and Defoe aren't about it. What happens to Defoe's character at the end of the movie? Because he portrays Pedro Pascal's character. Like, he k- gets him off his horse. He escapes with the horses. Yeah. But what happened? I'm so confused. Like, he gets surrounded. Wait, did you just, like, not see? I saw him. see what happened? I saw him get surrounded by the other group. But then how does Oberyn, yeah. how does uh, Pedro Pascal get the stuff back? Okay, so, so, <laughs> okay, so Pedro Pascal and Willem Dafoe's character they steal the black powder yeah. from the wall. Um, they knock out Matt Damon with a trap. They escape. And then Defoe betrays uh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I thought it was probably the funniest part in the movie. Is when <laughs> he, says, he says, go up on that ridge and, and, see, uh, and tell me what you can see. And then Pascal gets off the horse. He climbs up this, this uh, sand dune. And then Defoe just books it out of there with the horses. Yeah. And then we, he gets captured by the, uh, it's like the hill tribesmen. And then there's a scene. I don't know if you just didn't see this. Um, he's tied up. 
the guys are going through all their stuff and they're throwing it around and they accidentally throw some of the black powder into the fire and they all blow. Why? I swear yeah. that was not. Okay. I, I wish they I still had blew, access yeah. to the movie. I think that was cut. I cut out of my prime rental. Interesting. Because I, re- I reround it three times and I was like, what happened to Willem Dafoe? How did, how did Martel or not Martel? How did Pedro Pascal get out of there? And that because it just goes from him being surrounded, and then two minutes later, it's Pedro Pascal riding out on his horse. Yeah, and then and then I think we see him. Yeah, then he he must have found. So we see him. He hears the explosion, and then we see him on a horse later, and he has some stuff with him. So you think like, okay, he found the campsite. He got a horse, and maybe there was still some stuff that uh, didn't blow <laughs> they up. Throw the black and then he gets it. immediately captured back. It was just yeah. stupid. Oh man. Um. Uh, no, uh, really, you want you know my. Okay. Yeah. I have a really important question. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's going on with Matt Damon's accent in this movie? He's like, we have to get the black powder, and I don't know what that. It's not European. Did you notice? Did you notice? Most of the movie, it felt like he was doing kind of a just generic kind of yeah, yes. like that that voice you were doing. It was like not. There good. was like. There was like three scenes where he had a strong Scottish accent. I did not even notice that. The scene the scene where they're first showing him like how to climb down from the wall. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. He has this whole act he has a whole whole accent in this. Is he supposed to be Scottish? I don't know. I mean he said when he's he's like, I'm a mercenary, I fought for all these people. He did say he had done some stuff like in England and Ireland, but really kind of all over Europe. Um, but I just noticed I just kept noticing like it's super inconsistent. There are some scenes where he would just have this like I trust no one. Like it it was like Oh this, yeah, okay, I know what you mean now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there are other scenes where he was just kind of more like, We have to do this. This is the right thing. So or whatever. Going back to Defoe. Did Defoe's character Ballard die? Is he dead? Yeah. He yeah, got blown he up. Blew up. <laughs> yeah, he got blown up. Okay, well, this goes into, not really goes into, but this is m- my favorite scene in the movie. So what happens is that stuff is going on, and the ta- the Taute, the Taute, this, that's what the alien, so they're aliens, technically. They, like, came from yeah. a meteor, and they're these dragon lizard creatures. Honestly, kind of a cool design on some of them, but the CGI is so hit or miss. Like sometimes it's like, oh, not bad. And other times it looks like a video game animation. But yeah. this is what the Chinese army is trying to keep out of the wall and keep out of China. So the Taute lizards get into China and they run super fast. And so the army's like, okay, we yeah. need to get to China as fast as possible. We need to use the air balloons. And everybody's like, no, the air balloons are bad. Like they're not, they're not going to work. And the army, uh, what was her command? The general or commander, Lin May. Lin May. Yeah. Lin May is yeah. like, we have to use them. And then the scene immediately cuts, and like seventy percent of the army is on these hot air balloons that are like blowing up on fire. They're screaming. It's just chaos. Yeah, you, see, <laughs> you see, there's like, and then uh, Damon shows up. He's like, "What should I do?" And then another guy points up at the sky. And there's like five balloons. In there. <laughs> yeah. It just it kills me. Like the direct transition from we have to do it to seventy yeah. percent of the army just on fire. The balloons are blowing up, and only like four of them made it. 
But luckily, Damon, Matt Damon figures it out immediately. Figures it out because he's smart. He's the he's white brave. savior, the white savior, Matt Damon, coming in and figuring things out. But so <laughs> that just that really got me. Yeah. Was, now my favorite scene is when uh, when Willem Dafoe left Peter Pascal. I thought it was just <laughs> legitimately great humor. I, I thought it was very funny. So you want to go into. Um, I guess the China stuff because I know I was reading that yeah. Matt Damon did not like. I mean, I don't. He knew he basically had comments knowing the movie was going to flop, and that basically the director was getting pushed around from it. Not that he said the comment like the director was getting pushed around from higher ups on his original vision. Like, would this movie ever be good? Probably not. Um, I, I think there's a, a a much more interesting movie in here that's just about the black powder i think there's a a more interesting movie about like hey they have this technology that no one else has um and then kind of like the race to see like who from kind of western europe uh can get their hands on i think that's just a more interesting story i would agree Um, like especially if you have other factors in there too yeah like other those scenes in the movie were my favorite where they were talking about like they're gonna steal it and they're gonna like what they're gonna do with it and why they're like i thought that was all just a lot more in the scene where he shows them like he lights it on fire and matt damon pedro pascal like oh my gosh this is insane he's like this is like a like an ounce of black power like this is nothing you know yeah and so uh, yeah i agree i think you could have made that a really cool movie a realistic black powder movie instead of oh we got to introduce some crazy cgi aliens to get some action scenes in there yeah talk talk yeah, about just the china the chinese the you were mentioning how you did this in high school like you talked about just china the china movie industry in general yeah so this is something and this movie will i need to set up a little bit more context but um really kind of how china exploded onto the world scene uh and to, really are kind of exploded onto like hollywood's radar as a resource uh, for for ticket sales and and just the huge possibility of the Chinese market was Avatar in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Avatar it was it was very successful in the United States and and abroad, but very much so in China. There is not a scenario where Avatar makes two point nine billion dollars, becomes the highest grossing movie of all time, without the Chinese box office. And so one of the possible lessons or uh, or takeaways from the success was well let's uh cater to china let's let's try and get as much of uh maybe their their financing for movies or just uh we want to make movies that are going to play well uh for the chinese audience so we can get the most bang for our buck and one of the kind of uh, uh tricky things about that is that they're not it's not like you're just picking some country or some uh, a group of people and deciding we want to try and make something that kind of appeals to them the most way you're appealing to the Chinese government because they have a, a law I don't know if this is the exact number um, nowadays but I know it used to be they only allowed 25 uh, foreign films to be played in China a year really how, yes. do, they, how do they pick and those is it like picked by the government that's the thing so they have a um, 
like a film uh what's the word for it basically it's like a um film academy like a it's just kind of like a um like a a guild kind of okay. but basically it's, it's chinese government officials who serve on this board essentially films are submitted to them for review and if they find aspects of the movie that they do not want to be uh, shown to the Chinese audience, that movie is not going to be played. And so there's a lot, any, any movie that involves things that are contradictory of, um, you know, Chinese government teachings, anything that is critical of China is not allowed. So, and so kind of what that creates is either best case scenario you just have like random movies that say like science fiction movies say star wars avatar there's really not going to be anything like inherently critical of china in those movies anyway and so there's no like censorship at all that really needs to happen it's just they just make the movie and 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 it is either played or it's not or you have cases where filmmakers deliberately change elements of the movie to make it more appealing to the Chinese censorship board. Oh, yeah. And so my favorite example of this I know what you're, is, I know what you're say. is Transformers 4. <laughs> the, is, that, is that what you thought it was I think, say? yeah. Give, go, keep going. Yeah, so without getting too much into Transformers 4, basically... A, a section of the movie, um, the the bad the the Decepticons, the bad Transformers, they want to detonate this like special bomb, and and I love this part because the 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 main bad guy he's like, we're gonna take the bomb, we're gonna detonate it in the largest human city, and then they just take it to some um, I forget which city it is, but they take it to some city in China that's just. A, not even the biggest city in China, <laughs> but B, just not even the biggest city in the world. But it's like a, it's a like beautiful looking city. Like it's it's very, just like kind of picturesque and and really is kind of like emblematic of what like the ideal ideal Chinese um, city would Chinese be. city is. And then there's all this other stuff too in the movie where like American government people are are portrayed as as evil and corrupt. And then the moment that the conflict comes to China, you have the people like alert the central government. They don't know what to do. And then they then you see this like very organized, very yeah. like competent, very like Chinese government. Um, yes, we're do we're coming in to help. And then um an element of it was like, oh, Hong Kong is in trouble. And you see them saying, We pledge to defend Hong Kong. Oh my Which is uh, um, oh my. very interesting in in light of recent years with uh, the Chinese basically taking over Hong Kong and, and removing uh, many of their democratic practices. But then how we get to um, the Great Wall, this was kind of one of the, uh, the big attempts by um, not just the Chinese government and Chinese film industry, uh, but really of their seeing, okay, can we make something that showcases China's, or just like China, not necessarily China's greatness, to the rest of the world? Like, can we kind of put our foot in the game 
and like start to produce things for the world instead yeah. of being this marketplace for their movies. It's pretty. And I was gonna say it's pretty interesting because most of the movie yeah. is filmed in China, actually, which I was surprised. I yeah. think everything there was like a couple scenes in New Zealand, um, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, everything was filmed in China from what I read. But that is interesting. Um, yeah, you know, it makes and, then, and there's a bunch of other. Oh, another really good example. Um, uh, the original Top Gun on Maverick's jacket, it has. Uh, a bunch of different flag patches on his jacket. And one of them from the original movie is of Taiwan. It's Taiwan's flag. I'm just going to make a comment and about so, this. <laughs> time comes around uh, to make Top Gun Maverick. And the Chinese government says, if you want this movie to play in China, you need to remove uh, Taiwan's flag from his jacket. Bear in mind, you can... It's it's you'd have to be looking so hard to Gosh. see this. Um, and there was I think there was, and one of the trailers for Top Gun Maverick did have it removed, but in the end, they decided we're not going to remove it, and so Top Gun Maverick did not play in China. Wow, I didn't know it didn't play in China. I mean, that makes yeah, you know, it's it makes a lot of sense. You ever seen a that deleted scene in Avatar when? Um, Jake Sully sees Pandora and he says, this reminds me a lot of the beautiful country on Earth, Taiwan. It is a very beautiful country. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I doubt that was in it. I mean, it may, or, the, or the scene where uh, Matt Damon <laughs> talks about um, raising a family with more than two children in China <laughs> and then his credit score dropping 400 points. That was a great scene in The Great Wall. That was all. Yeah. All, that, all jokes. All yeah. jokes. Yeah. Funny, funny charm. Um, <laughs> but uh, this movie did not do super well uh, in terms of yeah, how did it? How did Great it? Wall. Um, so it earned forty five point five million in the United States and Canada, and two hundred eighty nine point four million um, in other territories. So for a worldwide total of three hundred thirty four million dollars, against a budget of one hundred fifty million dollars uh, in China, it made. 170, 170 million, it, huh? which is considered a disappointment. Yeah. So in the in the long run, um, uh, it's it's believed that the movie lost about seventy five million dollars due to just due to Matt Damon uh, underwhelming performance, but it's also just like it was very expensive. Yeah. Uh, it, they say it was the most expensive movie ever made in China. Um, I don't know that we know what the budget. The budget, yeah, budget was 150 million. Uh, it only made 334 million, uh, so it did not um, did not have the success that it needed to have. And so, kind of since then, we really haven't seen many other movies like this, where it's China trying to kind of dip its toe into um, Hollywood this way and make like its own kind of movie, and and for sure. The pandemic has definitely kind of had an impact on a lot of that, and um, this probably just wouldn't really happen. Um, but they, they've also been trying to do a bunch of other things, like um, get owner or part ownership of like American theater companies. I know, like they're they're trying to um, get in big with AMC, yeah, and, uh, Legendary Entertainment, which was the the studio that made this, but also is pretty uh, closely tied to Warner Brothers. 
You want, um, you want to know something uh, interesting about this movie, which I did yeah. not realize, is that this was after this movie was after Interstellar and The Martian. But does it not? It feels like this should be before those two movies. I don't know why in my mind. It just feels weird that this came out after Interstellar and The Martian. But yeah, Matt Damon did not. Um, he lived in China for like six months for this movie with his family. Mm-hmm. A long time. And yeah, he knew he was been on podcasts. He knew it was a dud, going to be a dud. I'm sure he got substantially paid to be in it. But, you know, that's kind of. The whole point yeah. of this, you know, these a lot of these actors, they make mistakes, like starring in movies like this and not starring yeah. in movies they should have started. A uh, nice bit here I'm seeing is uh, in 2021, Damon said that his daughter mocked him for the movie. Yes. Uh, she made a point of calling it The Wall. And when he corrected her saying it's, it's called The Great Wall, she remarked that there was nothing great about it. Ouch. Um, she should become a critic. And then he removed her from his will. Ah, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. But but uh, yeah, you think... know, not the best movie, but um, I guess I got nothing else. I gave it. Wall. I think we we both gave it a two and a half out of five stars. I mean, it's a movie. It's competently made. I've seen much worse movies. I this. yeah, I'm unfor- I'm um, fortunate. I have to say, I did have to pay Jeff Bezos to watch this movie, which. Was not worth my three dollars. Oh, you had a scene cut out of it. Apparently, apparently I maybe you I was a, skipping. A scene. Was it really fast? Maybe I just skipped around. It, it. was like a minute. Yeah, I think it was cut out. Maybe China didn't. If a- I if I still have it, if if I still have it rented, which I probably should, uh, I'll try and get a like a video of it. Yeah. To you. Okay. <laughs> I don't mean to miss it, but yeah, I got nothing else on Great Wall. It's a movie. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a movie. It's there. It's fine. But why don't we talk about? the highs of Matt Damon's yeah. career, you know, from the lows to the highs and, and, and he's been in a lot of highs. Matt Damon's got some good movies and he has a lot of good middle ground movies, which are definitely some honorable mentions. I remark, um, but the top three highs that we saw just across sites on, on IMDb is um, saving private Ryan, which he's not even in the movie a ton, but I mean, he's private Ryan. So kind of have to put it on there. Um, the departed, and Goodwill Hunting. Obviously, you spoke on Goodwill Hunting being written. Was it directed too by them? Written and no, directed? No, they, written. they didn't direct it. Okay. Just, they, they wrote it. Just started. wrote the scripts. Um, but the one that we, I guess, our personal, probably my personal favorite too, that I like talking about the most and analyzing a little bit is The Departed because it's one of the rare movies where Damon is playing um, a villain. And it's kind of interesting because he's not, I don't know, he, I mean, he is a villain. He is the villain in the movie. Yeah, he's yeah. a dirty cop. Um, but if you have not seen The Departed, you know, I'm not a huge, like, mafia guy. But, you know, okay, I've never seen The Godfather, and I know I need to. I need to go and watch it. But I'm not going to lie. I think you got, you're like, you got to watch The Departed. It's really good. And I was like, oh, Scorsese mob movie, really long. And it is so good. I mean, it really, it's one of the best movies ever. And it's just the dynamic of, following Leonardo DiCaprio, who is an undercover cop, and then Matt Damon being the dirty cop that no one knows is in the organization. It's just, it's crazy, because Damon is, it's kind of scary how good Matt Damon is, is playing like a liar and a con man in some of these movies. Um, but, I mean, he's so good at the part. That's great. great yeah, movie. and and you really can't, you can't talk about this movie without talking about the cast. So, as, oh, as yeah. you had said a minute ago, 
uh, Martin Scorsese uh, directing. But then we've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Alec Baldwin, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga. It's a great cast, and everybody's doing a great job. Oh, yeah. In the, the script, it's... Oh, the script yeah. is so good. It's... I mean, it's just a great movie. What's like... Yeah. I'm trying to think of my favorite... I mean, my favorite scene in the movie. Spoilers if you've not seen The Departed. Um, do not listen to this next part. But just the end with Mark Wahlberg yeah. in his apartment yeah. wearing... <laughs> I was talking about it great with my scene. brother a couple weeks ago, how that's just like the best. Because when I first watched that movie, I was like sick to my stomach. Sick to my stomach when yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio gets shot in the face, and you're like, Damon's Matt Damon's character is gonna get away with it. What's his name? Matt Damon's character. Um. Oh my gosh! It. Hold on, I got the IMDb pulled up. Give me a second. Yeah, I'm, I, but uh, he plays a uh, Colin. Colin. He's yeah. And oh, it made me a billion. Leonardo DiCaprio's Billy, but yeah, when Billy gets shot, that was oh, I felt sick. I was like, Matt Damon's gonna get away with it. And that was a perfect ending of having Mark Wahlberg's character go into his apartment, wipe down everything, and then just shoot <laughs> Matt Damon and kill him. And that's how it ends. It's, oh, it's so good. And I love um, the whole dynamic where they're both seeing the same therapist. And yep. uh, this was just interesting. But Mark Wahlberg said, oh, uh, Ray, Ray Winstone's good too. He's, yeah, he's um, good. Yeah. You know, you know what else? I, I love him. I love him in uh Beowulf. He's in Puss in Boots too. He's the he's Papa yeah. Bear. Yeah, he's the, he's <laughs> but no, Papa Bear. Well, I love more him more on Beowulf. that layer. More on that layer. But yeah, you haven't seen uh, him in Beowulf. Yeah, it's a great movie. But he's one of those actors where you don't you see his face and hear his voice. And you're like, oh, I know who it is, but his name kind of hard to come off like to the top of your head. Um, but no, it's got to be probably the most insane cast ever it's probably my favorite scorsese movie i would say it is my favorite scorsese movie i it's it's yours good is yours good fellas or what it's it's tough um yeah it's good fellas for me good fellas is i I think it's it's just it it just edges out i think the pace something between there's just something about the departed where the pace is so perfect and every scene is so good versus not saying good fellas is bad but there's a couple scenes where it's like slower but that there there you go i'm looking at the trivia roughly half of the budget went to the actor's salaries and it was only a 90 million dollar budget which is pretty low for a big film when you think about it there's no crazy action sequences or anything like that it's pretty grounded you know just scenes of restaurants scenes in like gunfights this is fascinating um Scorsese apparently wanted Al Pacino to play the role of uh, uh, Frank Costello, who's Jack Nicholson's character. Oh, yeah. But Pacino turned it down. I think that would have been really interesting. But I, I Yeah, I Nicholas is he's perfect. He's perfect in that role. Apparently. Probably, I think, my favorite character. I also read that apparently to Ray Winstone that he and Nicholson didn't get along. Yeah. Also, I think I said Jack Nicholas, which is a professional yeah, golfer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Nicholson. Um, yeah, apparently they didn't get along, which I could see him just not getting along with a lot of people. <laughs> but when, I'm curious, though. That's Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio gave 15 pounds of muscle for this movie. Um, I, I did read that, that Nicholson refused to wear Boston Red Sox hat. 
during filming. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of those actors that will refuse to wear hats of like the Red Sox or slash the Yankees. Yeah. Isn't there one yeah, in the town? Ben Affleck did that in um Is it the town? Oh my gosh. No, it wasn't the town. What's the Gone Girl? He's supposed oh, to wear yeah, one. you're right. Yeah, he's supposed to wear a New York Yankees hat. He... Yes, he's supposed to wear a Yankees hat and then they compromised. And he wore uh, something a Mets? else. I forget. He wore a Mets, yes. Mets hat. Yes, he, yeah, he wore a Mets hat. That's so yeah. funny. I yeah. would probably refuse to wear a Yankees hat, too. <laughs> the F word is I, used 283 times. Yeah. And it's derivatives, not just straight up the F word. Yeah. That's no, but it's a, I mean, it's probably up there. If you're looking, if you're talking about, you know, my favorite. Matt Damon movie. I mean, he, I just love him in that movie. I'm, I'll be honest, I've never seen Saving Private Ryan all the way through either. I've seen like most of it often on TV, you know, when it was on the weekend, but um, in a good yeah, that. I know I gotta watch. I'm, I'm not, you know, how I am with war movies. I'm not the biggest war yeah. movie guy. Yeah. And that's not, I love Band of Brothers. I love my war stuff, but just not a huge, I, I need to get into it. I need to like have the right yeah. mood to watch. A war movie, but no. I, I think this it's close. I, I think he does a really, really good job in Goodwill Hunting. Um but I think this is Matt Damon's best performance. It is. I think it is. The fact that he can play that good of a villain. He, he's going he's going toe to toe uh with Leo and with Jack Nicholson. Um and just all these other cast members too, and with like everybody's at the top of their game, so he's having to work um, alongside Nicholson, DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, like Alec Baldwin, and these people are all doing excellent work. And he he stands out as being like just he gives an excellent performance yeah. in this. I think it's probably my favorite of, yeah. of his. Some honorable mentions from us, you know, if you want to riff here, some of mine. Titan AE, which is an animated movie, essentially is a 21st Century Fox animated studio that made it. And they the whole company went under raft this movie because this movie flops so hard. But very good sci-fi, pretty dark kids PG animated movie. It came out, I want to say, or either early 2000s or late 90s, but really, really good movie. Matt Damon voices the main character. Um, Town and Mr. Ripley. Another one of those movies where Damon is playing not the main hero, he's playing a villain and he is terrifying in the town. Like in the departed, he's pretty evil, but in Mr. Town and Mr. Ripley, he's scary and insane. And it's really, really good movie. I definitely recommend that rounders. Another good one. Uh, What what are some, what are some of your honorable mentions you got for Damon? Um, Yeah. I mean, we'd already mentioned uh, the last duel. We'd already mentioned. Oh yeah. That's great. um, Born, but I, I think love the born. Uh, need to watch series, them. I think. I need to watch yeah, them all. I, I, really, really excellent. Uh, the fourth one's not that great, uh, but one, two, and three are all like really peak kind of early 2000s action. I need, um, I need to give, I watched the first one and I enjoyed it, but it didn't yeah. like make me, leave me wanting three. More. I think three is, is uh, really special. Three is, is an excellent movie. Did he? So they each one get better. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, from one to two to three, I think they they all go up. Okay. 
He's, I mean, I'm just if you look at his filmography, he's. I mean, he just does not miss. Elysium is a. I enjoyed Elysium. I mean, The Martian is good, and then let's not forget about his. Um, what do you call it? <laughs> what What do you call a, a film? What do you call an actor's like best film? There, you know, you don't know. What, you know, what I'm talking about. Um, There's the phrasing there where it's like they're the one they hold above every other. But I can't think of that. You're term missing right now. me here. I know I can't. It, we bought a zoo. I mean, I just hear that movie is perfection. Yeah, I haven't seen. Uh, we bought a zoo. I've not seen. We bought a zoo. Oh, uh, four v Ferrari. That's another one. That oh I, yeah. I I think he does a great job in that with with Christian Bale and, and really just a really. I'm not a huge into like car movies, or if that's even like a genre. But I thought this is. <laughs> it's more like excellent. a historical film. I would say. Yeah. Because it's more focused on. It's not like, oh, the car, you know, it's like it's more focused on like just the times and like how this was a big deal for Ford and, yeah. um, you know, in the state of things with F1 racing. But it's pretty cool. I honestly, my my other oh, my other honorable mention is a uh, true grit. I think I'm very good in that. He's he's excellent in True Grit. Uh, he's he's funny, but he uh, he he goes toe to toe with Jeff Bridges doing a. Both of them are are just so ridiculous and over the top, but yeah. really in the best way. I uh, uh, really enjoyable movie. The scene that still makes me cringe in that movie is when he accidentally bites his tongue in half. That Love I that. saw that when I was yeah, like so funny. super young, and that oh that made me cringe. Very bad. But then he has to talk the rest of the movie. Uh, <laughs> La- 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 yeah, at the, side, yeah. At the side of his mouth. Um, yeah. But no, I think all yeah. around, yeah. he's yeah. Damon's just a solid guy. If you look at like his average, you know, his lowest rated movies, The Great Wall, Downsizing, Stuck on You, they're still 5.8, which is close, is still not that bad. So I think Damon really does not cash out. I mean, he's got a couple, he's got a couple sixes here and there out of 10, but seems like every movie he's in is, I would say, fairly solid, and he seems like he does a little bit of research into the script. He's not just taking cash grabs. Yeah. I'm looking – the most cash-grabby movie to me is probably The Great Wall and um, We Bought a Zoo. Like, We Bought a Zoo just seems like very – but you never know. Maybe it's going to – like, We Bought a Zoo could have been one of those coming-of-age – you ever heard of the movie The Way, the Way, Way Back? Yeah, I've heard it's really good. I need to watch that. But that's one of those movies that it's kind of the same family coming of age thing, and it got really, really good reviews. So maybe Damon was banking on We Bought a Zoo to just become a real hit with the families. But I really don't think it's even that bad of a movie. <laughs> I think it just gets a lot of. It's just funny because it's Matt Damon, and yeah. the movie's called We Bought a Zoo, and that just cracks me up. And it's and he's wearing a wig, as we discussed. It's possible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. All right. Anything else on anything else on Matt Damon before we jump into um, our review of the week? Uh, looking forward to uh, let's see his uh, his next big project. Uh, he's in Oppen in uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer yes. coming out uh, June twenty twenty three, uh, and we're talking about a stacked cast on um, uh, The Departed, but but this probably puts it. Gives it a really good run for its money. Oh, uh, just I would say yes. real quick, real quick, and read off the cast of uh, Oppenheimer. Um, so yes, we have Christopher Nolan uh, directing it, but we've also got 
Killian Murphy as Robert Oppenheimer. We got Emily Blunt. We got Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh, Rami Malek, Jack Quaid. Uh, he's in The Boys, and he's the son of um, Randy Quaid. Isn't that his name? Yep. Um, let's see. Casey Affleck's going to be in it. Uh, one of the Skarsgård brothers is going to be in it. Um, wow, I know there's more people in it, and this isn't even including all of them. Uh, Josh Peck is in it, too. Pretty random. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for, uh, Oppenheimer. Hey, I want to say we bought a zoo has a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It's not like that. No, terrible. maybe we need to, maybe I've just been brainwashed by Jimmy Kimmel that we bought a zoo is really bad. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I think this might be my watch of the next week. We'll have to, we'll have to, I, I'm excited to hear, <laughs> but that's my review of the week next week, but and we're not, we're going to jump into our review of the week and we picked a film I was not expecting. I remember seeing a trailer yeah. for this, um, Puss in Boots. I didn't even i I didn't even know this movie existed. I saw until I was told I need to go. see I it. saw a announcement. I think I was like on the movies read out. I saw that they're doing a Puss in Boots sequel like six months ago, and there was a poster. And then I saw like a TV spot three months ago, and I remember thinking, "Oh, the animation looks very interesting." And then. The movie's been out for a little bit, and I keep seeing on Twitter, on TikTok, on Reddit, Puss in Boots is so good. Go and see it. Um, it's a really good kids movie, but even if you're not a kid, you're going to enjoy the movie. So I was like, I'll, I'll go watch it. So I went with uh, the wife, and it was it was really good. I gave it a four stars on Letterboxd. Um, you know, before going into spoilers, if you're like thinking about seeing this movie, like it's just great. The animation is great. The voice acting is great. The story, everything is engaging. It's very deep. Like it's very adult, like a lot of adult themes, like mature themes and like a lot of emotional themes for a kid's movie. And it's all in a Puss in Boots sequel. So I, I I think it, it really walks that line. Yeah. uh, That, that all great animated uh, kids movies walk. And that's, yeah, it has a lot of kind of fun stuff for the kids. But also has humor that adults can can enjoy too. But also some pretty weighty and and heavy themes that just you didn't expect from this kind of movie. Um, but but I, when it was over, I was like, "Wow, I didn't expect to be kind of hit that hard." No, uh, from this and it, this was really special. It like, was it's good. so good. Like it's great, and like the villain is scary. Like. If I was a little kid, I'd probably be terrified by the wolf. And it was just a scary villain. But it was a a really, 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 really good movie. So before going into spoilers, if you're thinking about, like, if you're looking for just a good movie to watch, I'd definitely go see in theaters. I hear it's doing pretty well at the box office, especially if you got a kid. Go and see Yeah, it. it's making, um, let's see, it's past $247 million at the global box office. What was the budget? Which is... What's his budget? Uh, I'm trying to find it. I don't think it was that high. But, but we're, I mean, we're reaching uh, the Great Wall numbers here <laughs> at probably a fraction of, of the cost. My, uh, so jumping into spoilers, my, I think my favorite thing in the movie was just, it had a really good message of, you know, valuing one's life 
I mean, I know I saw some complaints with people had with the little dog character. Like maybe it was sometimes annoying, but that's the point. Mm-hmm. But I loved with the little the dog Perito is that's named the dog. Yeah. How? Yeah. It had the worst life ever. Like was. Mm-hmm attempted to, they tried drowning it they abused it did you see it had stitches like the dog had stitches yeah. and the dog yeah. was so positive and like you know it's like the remember the tiktok trend of like the enduring um spirit what were those what were yeah those called? um the indomitable human the indomitable spirit. human spirit that is exactly what that dog was like no matter what yeah. was thrown on it it was had just the best attitude and it was such a cool way to like show, you know, Puss in Boots, he's down to his last, like the Paul movie, he's down to his last life. And he's facing death of how like, hey, and the dog has a line in the movie. I'm on my, I've only had one life and it's been pretty great. And it wasn't even yeah. that great. It was terrible. Yeah. But yeah. he was like, you that, you know, that hit me emotionally when the dog said that. And he said, my life's pretty great when you guys are in. Like, That's, it's, yeah. but that was probably my favorite theme of just, the dog and him and, and just valuing like what you have. Yeah. What, what was yeah. the line? Um, sometimes what you're looking for is right in front of you. You know, I like yeah, the Goldie, some, yeah. the Goldilocks and the three bears. I thought that was kind of an interesting subplot too, of yeah. like how she, the, what she's looking, what she was looking for is right in front of the whole time, which is a very basic storyline, but the way they did it was very unique. And um, just a cool way of doing it. And the movie, like I said, it really pulled out everything to make the most out of a PG rating. I mean, there was, they bleeped out swear words. There was blood. Yeah. I, I was, uh, he says, what the hell? Lot, like, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, that stuff, I was just kind of shocked to see it, but it's kind of refreshing. Cause I feel like Disney has lost its way of well, this isn't Disney. I know, but I'm saying that's why DreamWorks. I like DreamWorks because yeah. DreamWorks has always pushed the limits of PG and like kids movies and having adult stuff in there. But I think Disney has done, especially the original Shrek movies. Oh yeah, it was, they, yeah. This is very much continuing in the tradition of like pushing the line a little bit. Yeah, they um, they definitely pushed the line, especially the bleeping out bad words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was shocking. But um, no, I think Disney. That's just something, and that's why a lot of people are saying like, "This is what Disney is missing." Like, yeah, this Puss in Boots sequel that was barely marketed just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Is a great movie. The last Disney movie that came out, what was it? Strange Worlds or something? Yeah, it was terrible. Total and it had bomb. terrible, yeah. yeah, completely bombed. And it had a good cast, which is sad. It had Joan Hall, had all these people in it, but like, yeah, it, Disney is just losing its. I don't know if they need to slow down. I don't know because I'm trying to think of. I mean, you help me out here. Like animation movies that have come out recently that were really, really good outside of Puss in Boots. Maybe from DreamWorks, where that's Sony. I can't think of like. Um, uh, I haven't seen it. It's on my list to watch it. Um, I think it came out a couple months back. Is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? I have no interest in watching that. I'll be honest. Um, like stop motion. Apparently, it's really good. I hate. I just, for me, I hate the story of Pinocchio. I okay. hate it. I loathe it. Okay. And so that's that's my issue. Like, it might be a good movie, but like when Disney announced, we're doing a remake with Pinocchio, I don't want to touch that movie. I don't want to look at it. Yeah. And I saw scenes from it, and it just, no, I just would not. I hate the Pinocchio. But anyways, outside like, of that, like I was kind of, go ahead. 
until like open more of the technical side of things. Oh yeah, uh, I think we need to talk. We can't talk about this movie without talking about the animation Too and good. the the very high level of quality. It was is. very comic, but it looks like they pulled some inspiration from obviously like probably into the Spider Verse. They it looks yes. like they I imagine they did CG animation and then drew on top of it. That looks like what they did. Probably. Um, I know that's what they did in the yeah. Spider-Verse. And they would do this thing. Um, I know you like this, Michael, where they would, during certain sequences and fight scenes, they would have the animation frame rate drop from 30 to 15, probably. Like, probably yeah. cut in half. And it looked very like a note, you know, the notepad reflecting through it, where it was just like choppy. Yeah. It was very, yeah. very cool. Um, Mally, Mally did not like it at all. When we saw it, she's like, why is it, what's wrong? She whispered to me during the movie. She's like, what's wrong with the animation? Like, why is it choppy? It's like, oh, I was like, they're cutting the frame rate in half. And she's like, oh, that's weird. And so that'd be for everybody. Yeah. See, I thought it was, it's just a, a more, it's just another kind of tool that they can use to just make the movie a little bit more interesting to, to look at. Uh, but probably the, the best sequence. Well, probably one of two. Uh, the opening scene where he's fighting against the giant. Yeah, that was so cool. I mean, I know that you don't so cool. you don't watch the show, but it looked exactly like Attack on Titan, the anime. <laughs> and people made people were making tweets like that where they're putting the Attack on Titan music, and it matches. Yeah, because of the frame rate, the way it followed him while he was running. Um, yeah. and I know you're probably going to talk about the fight with the wolf at the end. Yeah, that's that was the other one. Yeah. Really good. And that was cool how they make the villain. There's a couple of villains in the movie, obviously, but making the villain death, like literally death, like death is coming to. For yeah, well, moods. they took like the big bad wolf, you know, from the 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 children's story, and then yeah, we're gonna make the we're gonna make this guy the scariest animated character you've ever seen. And good, uh... we're gonna give him we're gonna give him sides. We're gonna give him bloodshot eyes. There's um, a scary whistle. The scary whistle, dude. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that whistle. It's great. Although I won't yeah. lie, I'm getting a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of cringy videos where people use the whistle, whistle audio as like almost a hype video. I don't know. It's, it's not good. But I, w- I do want to say, I remember the guy that plays, the, oh, you know who plays the wolf and voices the wolf? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, Pablo Escobar from Narcos. Yeah. So he was good. I saw an er- er- interview with him of how he like came up with the voice and him working on the movie it was pretty interesting so um but he the voice actor was really good and you can tell uh, antonio Banderas, you can tell he was just enjoying he's like effort into the voice acting i yeah. i think there's movies out there you know what you'll hear the worst this is kind of different but the worst voice acting i've heard in a movie is matt damon in the movie spirit and I know he's not really voice acting the horse. He's like voice acting the mind of the horse, but it's so bad. It's like he's reading off a wall and it's just like, eh, whatever, just give me my paycheck. But like in this movie, Tony Banderas, uh, Salma Hayek, they really like, you can tell they're putting a lot of effort. And uh, Florence, yeah. I don't know. Like, Florence Pugh is good. Yeah. She, yeah. you can tell they all did really well with their voice work and seems like they're enjoying the movie and i mean john mulaney was (laughs) the jag corner was pretty funny like how he was just like evil for the heck for the sake of it yeah i i got a big kick out of the uh the cricket jiminy cricket (laughs) bit very funny 
very very funny they it, there was a lot going on but they combined it in a way where it didn't feel so and they had about like three plot lines kind of go you had obviously like puss's main plot line um kind of involving death but then you also have his relationship with uh kitty kitty soft paws selma hayek kitty soft paws <laughs> Uh, and then you have Jack Horner coming after the prize because he wants to get the, the wish. And they had Goldilocks and the Three Bears. But it all tied together very, really well, not just in terms of the plot, but thematically I thought everything tied together really well. Yeah, I thought too, I really enjoyed... Um... I lost track there. Um, them going through like the map. I thought that was a cool way of animating. Was, like the forest, really cool. The forest yeah. was a really cool way of designing things. Um, this is my question. Did you ever see the first Puss in Boots in 2011? I did not. It's. I, did I not. enjoyed it a lot. It's really funny. Um, the animation though is like people are comparing like you know the old Puss in Boots in 2011 to this one where he's so cute and like yeah. Um, but I, I I'd recommend the 2011 one because Kitty Softpaws is in it. Like she's yeah. one of the main characters, and I'm glad they brought her back. I was worried they were just gonna like pretend the original didn't or exist, and then it's um Humpty Dumpty, and it's Zach Galifianakis is playing Humpty oh Dumpty. So I enjoyed it. It didn't do. I think it obviously made money, but I think it kind of had mixed reviews at uh, the box office. But something else I want we can talk about since now we're in the spoilers is yeah. the ending scene, which yeah. So I, I saw rumblings that another Shrek movie is coming out, but I don't know if this confirmed it or if they just did it for fun. And if the Shrek movie comes out, then that's great. But it's it's kind of interesting. I'm curious if they did Shrek, if they would use that animation again or if they yeah. would um, go the original route, just like the really good CGI. I hope I wish they would honestly try this animation. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I I think that... I mean, I'm definitely not against that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I who knows if if they are going to do another Shrek or not? Um, Just let me tell you. I mean, did you see the last two Shreks? It's, I think I saw maybe not the last last one, but probably the second to last one. The third is that I don't King really Arthur? Remember it at all? King Arthur. Yes, that yeah. one was not good. honestly Shrek. This might be a hot take. Shrek the Forever After is better than Shrek the Third. Which Shrek and Forever After was kind of a weird one. But honestly, Shrek for After should have just been the third movie. And they shouldn't have done the third movie. But maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. Shrek, I think you can Shrek make it... One, do you like Shrek 1 or 2 better? <sighs> we were ta- I was talking about that with my brothers. How, you know, talking about like movies where sequels are better... Honestly, I think I enjoy Shrek 2 more. Shrek 2 has, oh, it's, they're both really good, but Shrek 2, yeah. like the animation is better. The, there's a lot more funny bits and lines. I, they're both great, but I probably prefer Shrek 2, which. Yeah, it's close, but I think 2 is better. It's so And good. all the, all the, like, how, um, what's the name of the kingdom they go to? Far, far away. Yeah, but how it's basically just like Hollywood. Los Angeles. Yeah, it's all the all the um like the cops bit where they're getting arrested oh. and they find catnip on him. Was... I no, I think they planted it on him. No, I they found no, they find catnip on him. 
And he's like, that I, because he I says swear. that's not mine. Like he's denied. He's in denial. You know, he's like, oh, that's not mine. I thought I thought I saw somebody saying that if you watch it really closely, oh. <laughs> you can see the knight pull the little baggie like out of his boot. That's so and funny. Then he just has it. In his, I think I have to look into that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Because I thought he was just saying that's not mine. About police brutality oh that's yikes um, that's a little yeah. too real but <laughs> yeah it enhances that, that goes back to what we were saying before about just kind of pushing the line yeah. on on animated movies and and the comedy and humor um uh, dreamworks dreamworks hits and then you think about the madagascar movies those are really Mag- you ever seen megamind no oh you gotta see it it's yeah, great that's... it's if you like Puss and Shrek, Megamind is the exact same thing. Pushing the okay. limits, really funny. It's really dumb. I would definitely recommend Megamind. I know that's another one. My uh, Matt Matt likes a lot. Matt Keener, he loves he loves Megamind. That's like his favorite, one of his favorite animated movies. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think they're maybe I might be wrong. I thought they were going to do a Megamind sequel, but it may have not done well at the box office. And it's Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. Tina Fey. Um, it's, it's pretty good, but yeah, Puss in Boots, what'd you give it on? I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd, so. I also so, gave it a four. Okay, on my rating system, a four is usually, this is a really good film. I think it has great rewatchability. I would definitely, like, I'd go see it again in theaters next week or something. Like, I'd go and see it again. It was, I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, not, you know. I think there, like I said, there's definitely maybe some kids humor moments, like maybe two or three where I was like, Oh, that didn't hit with me, but that'd probably hit with like yeah. a six year old. Um, yeah. but it's a kid's movie and I get that. I'm not going to be upset about that, but overall it's very dark themes. When we saw it, I don't know when you saw it, the theater I went to, it was packed and this is, yeah, mine was pretty packed. Too. And this, when did it come out? What, uh, like, uh, three, I think like three weeks ago. Yeah, but still maybe four weeks ago. I, it's crazy to say, but it seems like word of mouth is doing it. Because I'll be honest, I don't think the marketing for it was good at all. I saw nothing. The only marketing yeah. I saw was on TikTok, and it was people yeah. saying, "I really like this movie. Go see it." Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it's cool that social media and the word of, power of word of mouth can do that now. Yeah, but yeah, they could have gotten it. Would have yeah, been nine, is a, a ninety million dollar budget and. In a month, it's made like three hundred thirty-five million. That's ninety million. That's great animation. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. What What do you think Into the Spider Verse? But uh, you know, I'll be honest. Into the Spider Verse was kind of the same thing. I remember seeing a trailer for it, and I was like, "Huh, interesting." And then when it came out, people were, were saying it's so good. Spider Verse was also ninety million. <laughs> Just like let's keep all these drawn over. What do you think? Um, let's see what up is. I'm gonna guess like seventy million. Spider Verse made three hundred seventy-five. No, I made okay. That's pretty good. I don't. I probably think Puss in Boots hits three hundred something. You said Spider Verse. No, it's at three. It's at three thirty-five right now. Oh, it is. So what's Spider Verse at? It was at three seventy-five. That's it, huh? I figured it'd do more than that. Oh, guess what the budget for Up was? Uh, one hundred fifty. One hundred seventy-five. Oh my gosh! That's. I mean, it made plenty of money. It's a great movie, yeah. but Up it. Yeah. Okay, see, that's up as a movie that pushes, I'd say probably pushes the limits. Like, there's, it's sad. There's a lot of yeah. emotional stuff going on in there. That's Disney is, needs to get back to what they were doing with up because honestly, 
I don't know if DreamWorks can start doing some new, uh, you know, new movies like not not Puss in Boots sequels. I'd watch another Puss in Boots sequel though. I mean, it's a, it, mm. it was so good. Oh, you know my gotta say my least favorite part. Yeah, of Puss in Boots. They have a new opening credits for the DreamWorks thing. <laughs> yeah, Dude, not a fan. That not was. I did. I was walking in as that was playing and I was kind of confused because I was like, wait, what is this? I was like, oh, it's the new DreamWorks opening credits. So that kind of threw me for a loop. But they're sh- they're showing all the hits. You know, you got Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. You've got <sighs> so um, Shrek and you got like kind of the famous uh, DreamWorks characters. And then you have the boy on the moon. I just. I think, you know, why fix or why uh, if it ain't fix broke. not broken? Yeah. If it ain't broke. Hey, if, the car, if it's running fine, don't take it into the shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Anything yeah. else on Puss in Boots? I think I said. No, I mean, I think it's great. I uh, really recommend. Um, as we went through the whole plot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, That's not like the most important. You know, like, I think this was one of those movies where it's like, it's okay if you know what happens at the end. Yeah. But just kind of getting to feel it out and, and experience it. Yes. Um, it's kind of what's important. The messages were good. I, I love, I mean, it was, it was an emotional movie and pull, pulls at the strings, the little, little yeah. heartstrings. But I think that's it for me. Good movie. Yeah. Check it out. Um, recommendation of the week. I know. I don't know if you're going to say the same thing. Um, Last of Us is coming out. Well, it will be coming out tonight. Right now, uh, I believe. It's, <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's probably about to come out right it's, now. It's, yeah. I might. Uh, so I'm either going to watch, watch it. it I think as I'm off of here. Well, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I should probably. Mally said she'd be into watching it, but I might just watch it and then rewatch it with her because I kind of just want to watch it right now. <laughs> but yeah, well, it's supposed to be really good. We'll see. Cool. Yeah, I recommend that. Um, what else? Uh, I also watched. Um, what did I watch? The Irish uh, movie. Yeah. So yeah, I also last week I watched uh, the Banshees of Inisherin with uh, Colin, Farrell Colin Farrell and oh man, what's his uh, name? Uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson, who many of you would know as uh, Mad Eye Moody from Harry Potter. Really good. I heard it's very really funny, dark, dark comedy, really kinda. sad. Yeah, very dark. Um, great humor, like really, really good humor, but also hits you pretty hard. Yeah, um, and it's pretty, pretty tough at sometimes. But but really, really good. If you're listening to Last of Us, I'm sure a lot of people know it's based on the critically acclaimed video game. Um, so I played the video game. It's one of I remember playing the first one that came out. I never played the second one. <laughs> I probably should get around to doing that, but um, I should. I'm excited for it. I've heard good things. Yeah, but I definitely is that on HBO Porter. The, yep. Okay, I will definitely. Yeah, Banshee's doing a share is on HBO. Okay. Also, uh, the menu. Yes, um, I recommend the menu a lot as well. That is currently on HBO Max as well. Um, another just Terrific. very dark comedy. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, very good. We're we're really kind of shilling uh, for HBO right now. Maybe, I, know, I, I that well, sponsorship. I keep seeing these things about HBO not doing so hard. They're because HBO is my favorite streaming service by far. I'm about to cancel best, my yeah. Netflix. To be honest, 
I just I'm close because yeah, with the oh we're not letting you share accounts. Yeah, I'm I, I'm like you know what? They just keep they keep making it more expensive. If there's a movie I want to watch, I'll rent it for three bucks because it'll probably be every yeah. couple of weeks I do that, and that's yeah seven bucks a month. So I'd rather just pay seven bucks a month on two movies I want to watch for sure versus you know going through and doing that. But yeah, I think that's it for me, Michael. Yeah. Seriously, that's it. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for listening in. Uh, we hope to keep get, keep doing this, keep talking about your actors. But hey, if there's a certain actor you want to hear sooner than later, maybe you should let us know. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. you can shoot me an email at uh, samjkeener at gmail and it's k e e n e r. So if you got any cool movies, cool actors, or cool topics that you want to hear about, you should just send them our way. Yeah, we're we're. Definitely going to be looking into doing some other kind of, uh, you know, maybe we might not have a review of the week, but we will have a, maybe we'll do a draft or we'll do a, uh, here's our top five of this. Yeah. Or, um, Highest rated, lowest. Kind of random topics uh, come up. I think doing even a gym, yeah, we talked about doing highest rated, slowest rated animation movies, you know, highest rated, slowest rated, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.